Pastor Ed Taylor clearing up a misconception about serving in the church. The challenge, of course, that we see in the church today is that there is this understanding of the pastor does everything in the church and the pastor doesn't do everything in the church. We all do everything in the church as believers. The pastor is a role, the teacher is a role, but we're all believers exercising our spiritual gifts. I am a minister, using me as an example, I am a minister, but so are you. I have a role in the church, but so do you. It's not isolated just to a few people that rise up on some pyramid of leadership, and those are the ones that serve. We all serve in some capacity in the giftings that God has given to us. This is amazing grace. We are excited to open God's wonderful word with you once again on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be along shortly and continue our series in 1 Corinthians. We're just getting started in chapter 12, and we plan on being here for quite some time as it really serves to help us understand spiritual gifts. The Corinthians were ignorant in this area, but we don't have to be if we'll take the time to learn what God says about it in His Word. So let's do that now with Pastor Ed. Notice verse 1 now, chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Concerning spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. One of the sources of the problems in the church was their ignorance. That word you can mark it, it simply means a lack of understanding. Ignorance. A lack of understanding. Paul's heart as a pastor, as a teacher, in this letter. I find that many people confuse Paul because this letter is so heavy. It's one of the heaviest letters. There are a lot of problems in the church in Corinth. And when Paul gets wind of it, he's like, no, this is the way it's got to be. You guys got to stop doing this. I can't praise you in that. People conclude, well, Paul, Paul, come on now. Be easy on them. I don't think that he was hard. I think he was serious. I believe he believed as the believers did in the first century, that Jesus could come at any moment. It's no time to mess around. Believed in the urgency or the imminent return of Jesus. It's always a danger when you start hearing people downplay the coming of the Lord. It's even especially dangerous when doctrines pop up, even from well-known people that say, well, Jesus already returned. What? Like, what world are you living in? Jesus already returned. That's the hope of heaven, our desire to be reunited with Jesus. Jesus already returned and revelation already happened? Like, what are you, where are you living exactly? Jesus hasn't returned yet, but he is. He's coming soon. He's coming soon to usher in the culmination of world history. I know there's a lot of hope in us being reunited with him, and I say amen, Maranatha, but the coming of the Lord has much more to do with the culmination of history, final judgment. You know how you have some things in your life where they're just unfair? You just seem to wonder, hey, is there any fairness? Is there any justice? Yes, when Jesus returns. Every wrong will be made right when Jesus returns. 
Every weird doctrine will be wiped out when Jesus returns. Every prophecy fulfilled to a T as Jesus returns and ushers in the culmination of history. Powerful, powerful thing. It's the hope of heaven, the hope of every believer. The Spirit prompts Paul to use this phrase. And anytime you see this phrase of ignorance, let your ears perk up. What you'll find is the four times the instruction about ignorance is used are actually four topics that the church are very ignorant about today. Number one is right here in 1 Corinthians 12. You can just jot it down. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And so where is there a big ignorance in the church today? Spiritual gifts. There is an aversion to teaching of the spiritual gifts. Another one, you can jot it down in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. He tells the Corinthian church in his next letter, he says, lest Satan should take advantage of us because we're not ignorant of his devices. Unfortunately, I find a lot of believers are ignorant of the devices of the enemy. The weirdness. Automatically, there is this temptation to battle people when that's a device of the enemy, man. You know that, right? To get you at odds with people, that's a device of the enemy. Our Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're not, I'm not going to be able to win wars or arguments with words or boxing gloves. It's not going to happen. It's a spiritual battle that's going to be won spiritually. And the faster we learn that in our relationships, the more useful we become. We're not ignorant of his devices, but sometimes we are. We don't get it. We don't see it. Another ignorance that we're warned about or that's mentioned in the scriptures is in Romans chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Paul writes to the Romans, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness has happened in part to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Another ignorance we're warned about is don't be ignorant about Israel's plan, the part that Israel plays in the plan of God. What do we find in the church today? An ignorance on the topic of Israel. There is a whole segment of the church today that will simply just tell you, don't pay attention to Israel. It's no big deal. They're not even God's people anymore. They forsake them. They divorced them. And, and I don't care if there was some great grand miracle where they, God brought them into the land and made them a nation again and every nation in the world is coming against them. That doesn't matter. Don't pay attention to Israel. They want you to be ignorant about Israel and I don't want you to be ignorant. Israel is the very hotbed of activity for the end times. You keep your eye on Israel and that's all you need to watch. And you'll watch things. Now, don't misunderstand me. By saying that, that doesn't mean we or even God agrees with every political decision of the government of Israel. That's not the point. That, that's an argument that isn't, doesn't even need to bring up, be brought up because that's not what we, well, you know, we just agree with every single thing that Israel does. No, 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 no. We just watch Israel and see it happen because Israel and the land and those of you that have gone with us and those of you that want to go with us in the future when you walk the land listen they are occupying their land it belongs to them God promised it to them and they're there right now you could see it with your own eyes by fulfilled prophecy but the Bible has to say don't be ignorant about it and I pray that as we teach through the Bible verse by verse we've looked through all of Romans we've touched on Israel every time it's come up in the scriptures that you're not ignorant. You understand the role of Israel in the heart of God. The fourth time ignorance is mentioned is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
Paul writes in verse 13, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For those of you familiar with 1 Thessalonians 4, this is the topic that Paul brings up on the doctrine of the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Don't be ignorant about it. Jesus is coming again. What we find in the church is there tends to be a tremendous ignorance and downplaying of the coming of the Lord and the rapture of the church. So much so that the rapture of the church is looked upon as, well, that's not even in the Bible, but it is. It's right there, 1 Thessalonians. It's all over the place that Jesus is coming again for his saints. Paul says, church, Corinthian church, Calvary Chapel, don't be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. Be open to learn. For the next few chapters, Paul is going to help us not be ignorant concerning spiritual or spirituals or spiritualities. And some of you go, wait a minute, Ed, I read with you twice. You read through it twice and you didn't read it right. Because my Bible says now concerning spiritual gifts. Is that what your Bible says? Notice the word gifts. Is it in italics in your Bible? Italics, words that are in italics in most translations are words that have been inserted by the translators to try to help you understand the flow of the sentence because the translation of the Greek didn't do really well in English. There's a lot of italics. Most of the time, they fit really well, but the word gifts, this italicized word, has caused more confusion on this topic than just about anything on this topic because the word isn't there. In the original language, the word simply is spiritual or spirituals with an S or spiritualities. Verse 1 doesn't say spiritual gifts. It's an insert. Using the translation, we could say now concerning spirituals or spiritualities, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. What that means is, is when we read through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are not looking at spiritual gifts. These are not spiritual gifts. For many years studying, I used to believe that if you took the mentions of gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, and by the way, you can jot these down because that's where you find them, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a listing, and Romans chapter 12. If you just jotted all those down, some of them overlap. I used to look at this and say, hey, those are all the spiritual gifts, and you can use them all any way you want, and you have, you know, you have 10, and you have 5, and you have 6. When I started to study the book of Romans in depth, and you were with us when we were in that, something jumped off the page as you looked and compared these various listings of gifts, giftings, manifestations. Romans chapter 12. Turn over there with me, would you? Romans chapter 12 has a listing of seven gifts. And I believe these are the foundational spiritual gifts given to the church. Romans chapter 12. I know this might be a little different than even what you're familiar with, but stay with me. Romans chapter 12 lists for us Seven foundational gifts, and the word is actually used there in verse 6. It's not in italics like 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's used there in verse 6. It says, Romans chapter 12, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, 
Let us use them. Now that's in italics. You can see given to us if prophecy in proportion to your faith. Or ministry, use it in our ministering. Teaching in our teaching. Exhorting, giving, leading, and mercy. There are seven gifts listed there. Seven supernatural gifts. I believe in Romans chapter 12, these gifts are the underlying motivational gifts that move you and I to serve the Lord. The number seven is very instructive in the scriptures as it speaks of a number of completion. And I can say with authority that every one of you, every one of you as believers has one of these gifts in Romans chapter 12. One of these primary motivating gifts. If you missed us, if you just joined us at Calvary, brand new, and you missed this, we went through not only this section, but we went through every single gift one by one. We looked at what it looked like. We looked at what it might look like in your life. We looked at what it might look like in Jesus. And those that went through that study, all of a sudden their eyes popped up and say, that's why I am the way I am. I get it. I see We saw some of the dangers. If you happen to have the gift, we showed you some of the dangers. And the feedback was incredible. They were like, oh, yeah, that is a danger. Some of the gifts make a person more black and white. They're less merciful. Some gifts make, you know, the gift of mercy make you more merciful and you're not black and white. And those are all dangers because you've got to find the balance. I encourage you, get those studies. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, that's where you're going to find it. You go through one by one, seeing and understanding now why you gravitate toward one thing or another why you seem to always lead you just seem to always lead even when you want to follow you lead you're like you might just show up to somebody go okay okay i have purposed in my mind i will not lead even if they ask me i will not lead i'm just not going to do it i'm not taking a lead i'm just sitting here but then you can't (laughs) there's a part of you that not that you're going to be overbearing although that's a danger it's not like you're going to take control you're just going to help people because you notice a lack nobody's leading here Nobody's leading, I'll lead. That's a gifting. Or you're reading through a scripture and automatically you're thinking, I wonder how I can help somebody understand this. It's something you have to battle because like you're in your devos and God wants you to understand it, but you're always thinking of how to help someone else understand it. You might have the gift of teaching. You just want to teach. Whether it's the Bible or at school, you're geared to teaching kiddos because that's your gifting. And I encourage you strongly. There's the CD set and they're all online. Look at each of the gifts individual. Some people say you only have one. I tend to think you have more than one. Except that one is primary. One you just move in. That's where your gifting is. When you come to Ephesians chapter 4, you can turn over there with me. I want you to see them. Ephesians chapter 4 Some believe is another listing of gifts, but the scripture actually doesn't say that as much as it describes, it talks about Jesus giving gifts to men. And the emphasis is not in the gifts here, but in the ministries, how the gifts play out. Notice Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 7. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, this is verse 8, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended afar above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself, notice now the change, he gave some to be Now he begins to describe the ministries 
of the gifts that he gave to the church. These are positions or offices. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the edifying of, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The whole purpose of these roles now is an equipping. And these are primary roles within the church so that the church would be built up, so the church would have direction and help Paul being a good example, the church in Corinth got off, God sent Paul to them. The challenge, of course, that we see in the church today is that there is this understanding of the pastor does everything in the church, and the pastor doesn't do everything in the church. We all do everything in the church as believers. The pastor is a role, the teacher is a role, but we're all believers exercising our spiritual gifts. I am a minister, using me as an example, I am a minister, but so are you. I have a role in the church, but so do you. It's not isolated just to a few people that rise up on some pyramid of leadership, and those are the ones that serve. We all serve in some capacity in the giftings that God has given to us. These are the primary roles that God uses to bring edification and maturity in the church. Now back to 1 Corinthians 12. These are all foundational. Just let it all soak in. We'll elaborate and and comment on as we continue to go through in the coming studies we're looking at spirituals or spiritual things so let's read from verse 1 and we'll read all the way through to verse 7 now concerning spiritual brethren I do not want you to be ignorant you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now here, take note of this. There are four categories of spiritual things listed here. The first one is in verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Category 2. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Category number three, verse six. Now there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And then the last category is in verse seven. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the word of wisdom. And he goes on and looks at the various manifestations that are going to come from the Holy Spirit to come alongside your gifting to make it more effective for that environment, for that timing. Powerful stuff as you begin to see how the Spirit works in your life. Diversities of gifts, differences of ministries, diversities of activities, or next to that word activities, you could write operations, how the Spirit operates, different ways the Spirit operates. We're going to answer the question, hasn't it ever tripped you out that you've got two people that have the gift of teaching, but they do it so differently? How's that possible? Different operations. Different operations of the Spirit different personalities of the person as the spirit uses the same gifting differently in different people how some people are able to teach adults and just go for it some people are able to teach kids and just go for it some of them are able to teach the heaviest things of doctrine and make them simple and other people are able to teach on various topics because of the work of the holy spirit now before we go i want to leave one more thought with you and then we'll pick up here next time and we'll start to intertwine our introduction here on understanding spiritual gifts We've already seen that spiritual gifts are listed in Romans chapter 12. 
the ministries or the ministers or the offices of those giftings are mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4 and manifestations of the Holy Spirit that come alongside your gifting and that come alongside you as a gifted person are mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 12. But there's a bigger picture we have to speak to before we leave and that is how easy it is for the topic of spiritual gifts to go off into extremes. Have you noticed that? There are extremes as it relates to the spiritual gifts. I'll give you two of them if you want to jot them down. We want to avoid both of them. Extreme number one is the word cessation. It comes from the word cease. Cessation. C-E-S-S-A-T-I-O-N. There is a large segment of the church population today that believe that the spiritual gifts, primarily the sign gifts, have ceased to operate. They don't exist, so we don't teach on them. They're not important. They were for the first century. They were for a specific people, a specific time. Once we got the Bible, we don't need spiritual gifts anymore. They don't say it about all the gifts, but depending on what group you're talking to, it's going to be a different variety, primarily prophecy, tongues, the interpretation of tongues, those are the ones primarily that say, no, no, no. Except that when they use, and you could read it for yourself, when they use, there's only one section of the scripture where they can come to that conclusion. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When they use that, the word knowledge is included in that listing, but they conveniently exclude that the gift of knowledge doesn't, doesn't no, that still works today, just the other sign gifts. And it, it was one of the things, just for me personally, I've been saved now almost 20 years. It was the very first thing I ever studied as a new believer because of the background I came from and the church I was raised in until I was a kid were cessationists. And I thought, boy, you know, this is what my parents trusted. This is, I need to know about this topic for myself. I don't want to hear it from the pope. I don't want to study. And I spent, I spent hours and hours and hours looking at the various texts and understanding it and, and cross-referencing it. And finally, I come to the conclusion, hey, spiritual gifts have not ceased. They are in operation today. They are here to glorify God and to be used by believers in being edified unto the things of the Lord. I don't believe in the extreme of cessationism. Thanks for joining us today for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And Pastor Ed, as we wrap things up today, you were describing one of the two extremes related to spiritual gifts, and that was cessation. But there's another extreme that you didn't quite get to. Could you touch on that one before we go? Yeah, Larry, I called the other extreme from one side cessationism. You know, as I explained, we're not... Uh, those that believe that some spiritual gifts don't exist today and don't exercise them. And, but the other side is hyper-expressionism. And the idea of that is that people go just out of control doing weird things and blaming it on the Holy Spirit. And it is very prevalent and unfortunate. And we'll be explaining that more uh, in our time in Bible study, but how careful we need to be following what the Bible says, to do things decently and in order. And decently and in order. And, and the Bible does give us a lot of insight how the gifts are used uh, to be done decently and in order. Uh, so can't wait for this. This is a great study about the gifts and what God wants to do in your life and learning where you fit in the body and how the Holy Spirit wants to use you. So stay tuned, take notes, and let's run with what God has given to us for his church in this lost world.
We'll be talking about spiritual gifts here in the near future, so please be sure to join us all next week for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to calvaryco.church, or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to, and if today's study was a blessing to your life, we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryco.church. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Christopher Yuan's book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. This book will help you better understand sexuality in light of God's grand story and come to realize that holy sexuality is actually good news for all. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. Then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 1 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.